Today we finish our series on prayer. We had a beautiful prayer service, by the way, on Friday, a corporate prayer right there. It was amazing. Uh, we're going to do that once a month in, up into the summer. And so we just at, look for the corporate prayers to come along. It's a great way to get inspired to pray. And so um, we had a beautiful time together on Friday. And so um, this morning we're going to take a look at the, the greatest prayer life of all time, and that's Jesus' prayer life. And we know from Scripture that Jesus was a man of prayer. In fact, we're told that he often, he regularly um, retreated to a quiet place to spend time with the Father. So understandably, though, Scripture is limited in telling us the content of Jesus' prayer because nobody was around to hear it. So, G so Scripture tells us that Jesus frequently prayed, but we don't know the content of what he prayed because when he did pray, he went off to be alone. This is why John chapter 17, and it's the chapter we'll be going through this morning, this is why John 17 is so impactful. It gives us a rare look into the content of Jesus' prayer life. And I think all believers should familiarize themselves with this chapter. In fact, I want to encourage you to think about, after it's all said and done this morning, to spend this week going over John 17. Um, and I want to, I, I would love for all believers and disciples to just familiarize themselves with not just how Jesus prayed, but what Jesus prayed. And so here's what we're going to do today. We are literally going to read through the entire chapter right now. So pray for me. John 17, and we're going to read from verse 1 to 26, and then I'm going to attempt to take 26 verses and break it down. And I promise you, I've, I've gone over and over this message. I believe I'm ready to do this in a way that you will be excited about, okay? So John chapter 17, I encourage you, if you have your Bibles, if you have your Bible apps to go there, we'll have it up here as well. But love for you to follow along if you can. John chapter 17, verses 1 through 26. I am realizing that uh, I may need glasses in the next couple of years. Uh, every time I get up here to read the scriptures, I can see it kind of all blurring together every once in a while. So, so, so pray for healing. Uh, and if not, I'll join some of you in the club, all right? Verse 1 reads like this. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life. That they know that you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Verse 6, Jesus continues to pray, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given is from me, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. 
and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name which you have given me. I have guarded them. And not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them. Because they're not of the world just as I am not of the world. And I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just like I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. And finally, verse 20 through 26. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their words. That they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me. And that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them, even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you've given to me, may be where I am, maybe with me, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even, the, oh, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. What a beautiful prayer. Like I said earlier, today I'm going to do my best to take these 26 verses and break them down into four requests. Jesus made a request for himself. He made two requests for his disciples. And finally, he made one request for you and I. My prayer this morning is twofold. First, I'm praying that Jesus' prayer life would inspire your prayer life. And secondly... I'm also praying if there's anyone in here today that might find themselves in a very difficult and challenging circumstance. You may find yourself in a very difficult and challenging time. I'm praying that you would take comfort and find courage and knowing that the Savior of the world not only prayed for you then, but is continually praying for you right now at the right-hand side of the Father. Jesus is interceding for you right now. Take courage and comfort knowing that the Savior of the world prayed for you then and in fact is praying for you right now. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, we learn to pray from Jesus. And now let Jesus' prayer speak to our lives. Pray you would minister to anybody who's just in a circumstance or a season of struggle after struggle. I pray that they would take courage and comfort in knowing that, Jesus, you're praying for them. And I pray that after we leave this month of prayer, that prayer wouldn't leave our lives. And I pray that every person in here would be moved by your spirit outside of these walls to take their prayer life to the next place in 2018. And so, Lord, I ask that you use your word, sharpen us and shape us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Now, Jesus prayed for himself. And I, I want to kind of use this to inspire you. You know, some of us are good at hearing God for other people. You ever met someone like that? You know, they sit down and you can counsel really good and you give great advice. In fact, I've heard some people and they give some great advice. Have you ever heard somebody give great advice? You're like, that's great. I wish you would take your own advice. <laughs> now, some of us are good at hearing God for other people, but I want you to know a healthy prayer life prays for self. My prayer closet should primarily, not only, but primarily be a place where the Lord shapes and sharpens me first. And a lot of times we want to pray for our families, but sometimes the greatest prayer is to pray for me so that I can bless my family. And so, just like Jesus, Jesus prayed for himself. Now, I want you to know Jesus' first request, his first request was this, Father, glorify me. Now, could you imagine what that would sound like if you heard me praying that prayer? If you just walked in as a visitor, you know, I want to check out that church. And I got up here and I said, Heavenly Father, lift me up. Elevate me above everyone else in this room. Put me on a platform and a pedestal. Draw all their attention to me. And as I walk out, may everybody worship and glorify me, God. Most likely, and I would give you per full permission to walk out of this place and never come back. You see, this was the prayer that only the Son of God could pray. And can I explain to you why only Jesus could pray this prayer? There's two reasons. Number one is because glory always belonged to him. It was originally his. And number two is because his glory and his hour were mutually tied together. And I'll explain that in a minute. But let's first talk about this. Glory always belonged to Jesus. And you may ask yourself why or how do you know that? Well, I know that because in order for Jesus to take the form of a man, he first needed to leave his glory behind. You see, we often celebrate the ascension of Jesus. We celebrate the day that Jesus went into heaven, but we also need to celebrate the condescension of Jesus. What is this condescension? You see, Jesus left heaven for earth. He left the majesty of a throne for the humility of a trough. And this is why Jesus prays the prayer, Father, glorify me with the glory that I had before the world existed. You see, Jesus has always existed in perfect harmony with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And so he's qualified to pray for glory because that was the glory that he gave up for you. Number two, Jesus was qualified to pray for this glory because his glory and his hour were inseparably tied together. Now, Jesus says something curious. Before he requests glorify me, he says this, Father, the hour has come. Now, if you read John's gospel, you'll see that throughout his gospel, especially early in his ministry, you'll hear Jesus say, and let me know if you're familiar with this. Have you ever read and Jesus said, you know what, my hour has not yet come. Someone has come and asked him to do a miracle or someone has come to do this or that. And he says, you know what, my hour has not yet come. But here what's really interesting is that he prays the hour has come. You see, when Jesus is praying that the hour has come and when he's praying this prayer, it's a little after midnight the day that he was going to be crucified. So when he says my hour has come or when he refers to his hour, he's referring to his crucifixion. He's referring to the cross. Now, if you know anything about crucifixion, crucifixion was designed to be gruesome. And I think most of us would know that. But how many did you know that crucifixion was also de designed to be humiliating? 
This is why they would parade criminals around the streets. They would strip them naked. They would spit on them. They would mock them. And then when they would crucify them, they would put them on a high place. And they crucified them at eye level so that they could be humiliated in front of their friends and their family. You see, crucifixion was designed to be gruesome, but it was also designed to be equally as humiliating. God's love, I want you to hear this. God's love in Jesus' selflessness is on full display here. And it's on full display when we realize that Jesus' glorification was hidden in the humiliation of the cross. The glorification of Jesus was hidden in the humiliation of the cross. So the beauty of Jesus' request when he says glorify me, you see if you heard me say that it wouldn't be beautiful at all, it would be inappropriate. But the appropriate beauty of Jesus' request to glorify me is found when you really know what he was saying. He was saying this, Father, take this shameful act that was meant to humiliate me and use it to glorify you and me instead. Now, one more thing I want to I show you before we move on. Right after Jesus makes this request, he says something. He says, my hour has come. Glorify me. And then he says, Father, you've given me authority over all flesh. Why is that interesting? Well, I want you to know that when Jesus prayed this prayer, he had what every king, every dictator, and every warlord has ever wanted. He had all power. And where men would have abused that power to bring death, Jesus submitted that power through his death to bring life. This is the difference between the glorification of Jesus and the glorification of man. Man will use this glory and steal this glory to bring you down to lift him up. But Christ's glory is the opposite. It's the upside down kingdom. And that when he prays for this glory, he knows that he will humiliate himself and go low and die to lift you up. Excited about that. Jesus prayed for himself. Secondly, Jesus prayed for his disciples. Now, here's another thing I want to share with you about Jesus' prayer life and ours. As important as it is to pray for ourselves, and I just said that should be our primary thing, we still shouldn't neglect praying for others. We shouldn't neglect walking with God and telling him and speaking to him and reporting to him about our loved ones. Now, I kind of have this tradition on Mondays. Mondays is a, a, a Sabbath day for me, and sometimes I do really well with that, sometimes I don't. Um, but I like to wake up and I like to go on a walk. And I like to spend time with Jesus. And I'm not saying this to boast, you know, oh, wow, what a, I'm just telling you, maybe some of you would be inspired by that. And when it rains, I don't walk in the rain. And so I live in an apartment, so I literally walk every floor. In fact, probably people think I'm a weirdo. And sometimes I think, man, I hope nobody's like, hey, this guy's walked by a couple of times. Let me call security. Uh, and so I walk from one end of the floor to the next, one of the floor. And it's so crazy. I use each floor to pray for a different subject. And I just, this is the way I do to just keep myself engaged because, you know, I'm one of those guys who lose attention real quick. I'm just kind of all over the place, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, anyways, you get the point. And so uh, I remember that my first and second floor was for my family. And uh, that first floor I was praying for my wife and my son. And I went twice. Then the second floor I started to pray for my nephews and nieces. And I, I, as I was praying for them, I, I, you know, I, have, I don't see them as often. And so sometimes I don't know exactly what to pray for. But I just began to talk to God about their personalities. And I just began to say my niece 
Brianna, a Mariah, a Joshua, Haven, Jose, Hosea, Joel, and I just begin to kind of speak to the Lord about who they are and their personal, how in each way they bless me. And I just begin to just kind of just talk and dialogue with the Lord. And through that, prayer requests begin to come up in my spirit. And I begin to just speak their names and pray for them. And see, this is what Jesus is doing. He is praying for his disciples, and he's reporting to God, the Father, about what he has done and what his disciples have done. This is a beautiful way to pray. In fact, Mikey shared with us last week that how many of you are here because someone prayed for you? Some of you are here right now because people are praying for you. Thank God that they didn't abandon you in their prayer time. And, and in the same way, he and Mikey inspired us last week, and I would agree, who's out there that's not praying for themselves but are counting on your prayers and they don't even know it? So Jesus prayed for his disciples. And if you remember, his first request was for himself, and he prayed, simply glorify me. His second and third request was, Father, sanctify and keep my disciples. Two words, sanctification and keep. Now, Jesus in verse 17 says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. I pray for my disciples that you would sanctify them, God. Now, sanctification, just so you know, is the process by which we grow in holiness. How many of you know nobody says yes to Jesus and wakes up holy? Some of y'all said yes to Jesus a few years ago and you're still waking up unholy. And that's okay. I guess I didn't want to come up. But that's okay. But here's what. You are growing in holiness. You're being sanctified. Now, it would be wrong for us to never grow in holiness and be like, hey, the Lord just loves me. But here's the deal. Is if you really love Jesus, you would really step and grow. And here's another thing is when you say, yes, I believe in you, Christ comes into your life and then he gives you his righteousness. And then the Holy Spirit begins to work inside of you and you take steps in growing to holiness. How many of you guys have experienced that in your life? So that the things that you used to do, you don't do no more. Now, for some of you like, well, I still do some of those things I used to do. Then I would just say this, you may do them, but they disgust you now. You're not just, oh, oh man, this is amazing. But even when you sit, there's, there's a bit of a tug of war. There's a battle inside of you. I want you to know, if you're battling with something, there's a struggle in your heart, which is good. Paul says, I fight a good fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Are you with me? Nobody wakes up and it's holy. I want you to see this. You're not saved holy, but God desires that you would become holy. He desires that you would become holy. And so Jesus is praying, sanctify them. And he gives us a key to holiness. Are you ready? The key to holiness is truth. The key to holiness is truth. He says, sanctify them. Your word is in your truth. Your word is your truth. I want you to hear this. Sanctification happens in the life of a disciple who consistently interacts with God's word. Consistently interacts with God's word. A prayer life without a word life is powerless. And a word life without a prayer life is struggling. This is why I believe in Inspired Church. We should be a people of prayer and a people of the word. We should be a people of prayer. We should combine his word and my prayer time. And sometimes when I'm really kind of just with the Lord, sometimes I'll go on my walks with God and I'll find a place in a park to sit and I'll begin to read his word. And after reading his word, I'll actually pray the word over my life. I went through Proverbs. It was a really amazing thing. I went through Proverbs. And if you know anything about Proverbs, the first 15, 17 chapters is a father talking to his son. Telling him what to look out for. And as I was going through Proverbs, I would stop and I would begin to pray what that father was saying over his son. 
add that to your prayer life. The word is important because truth is important. Truth is important because sanctification is important. Sanctification is important because holiness still matters to God. I can't emphasize this enough. If you're a disciple of Christ, then you are just as much a word person as you are a prayer person. Amen? Second, third request, Jesus prays in verse 11 and 15, Father, keep them in your name. And then he says, keep them from the evil one. Now, keeping, sanctification is the process of growing in holiness. Keeping is the process by which the Father will guard the disciples in their faith. Notice, I said guarding their faith and not their physical safety. You see, sometimes I think we overemphasize the physical safety in our prayer and totally neglect the safety that matters most. Preserve me in the faith, God. Now, there's no doubt that I want my son, Philip, P3, to be guarded from physical harm. But more importantly than that, I want P3's soul to be kept by the Father. In my prayer time for my son, I pray that his soul's keeping would be preeminent over his physical keeping. You know, I remember having a conversation. I believe it was Jeffrey and I. We were in Hawaii. And, in fact, we met Carla there that week. Andy Lane. That's what God does. Amen. Jeff and Chris. God knows. <laughs> if you're single, just hang out with me. We'll, we'll work it out. In the name of Jesus. Some of you probably don't know the story. You're like, I don't get it. It's okay. Ask me later. But we were in Hawaii. And I don't know if Jeff remembers this. We were going to go on a little, little illegal hike. And... Uh, and we were going some places where only the locals go, and I'm obviously not a local whatsoever. Uh, and, and when I tanned, I was red, so, you know, it's, couldn't even fake it, right? And uh, we are you know, headed to the, headed to the water, and, um, and I remember we kind of parked and kind of, you know, they gave us the what's up. But it wasn't like, you know, hey, you know, aloha. You know, they say, oh, everyone's loving white. Well, this place, uh, there's, there, it felt a little different type of aloha. And so I remember Jeffrey was like, man, I don't, we parked that car over there. And uh, he goes, man, I, I just, uh, I don't, you know, I hope they don't break in or don't take anything or just like even just slash our tires for being here. Again, I'm sure the Hawaiian people are great, but there's certain, it doesn't matter where you go, right? Certain places you go, even my own place. Hey, be careful, right? And so, uh, and so we went there and Jeffrey's like, man, I just prayed, you know, he was bringing angels down. He was like, Lord, send your angels to protect the car. And. And, and, you know, and I was praying with him. And, but I remember having a, in, my, in my heart, I, and, and, and poor Jeffrey, I agree with you there. But I just, I remember having like an object lesson. And I remember thinking to myself, Jeffrey, you're right. And he wasn't thinking this at all. But this is something the Lord was telling me. But if that car got broken into and you lost everything, would you still be secure in who I am? Would you still be secure? And so a lot of you, a lot of times we pray and protect my son and pray and protect my daughter. But if you lost them, would you still be secure in the faith or would you, would you deny God because he didn't protect them? And a lot of times in our discipleship and our walk with Christ, we put more emphasis on the physical and temporal things. And we de-emphasize simultaneously the things that God really wants to do. We have to live with eternity in mind. And I think most people walk away from the Lord when the temporal needs aren't meant. But some of us need to go through temporal downs so that God can, can um, secure our eternity. 
You need to be humiliated in a temporal way so that God can humble you and speak to you. Do you, are we, do you understand? At least that was my testimony. And so this is what Jesus was praying. This is what I pray for my son. So I pray for my wife above and beyond their physical security. And trust me, I pray for that, guys. I do. And it's not, it's, it's not wrong to pray for that. But above and beyond that, I say, you know what? Guard their souls. I don't want my son to walk away from Jesus. I don't want him to taste the world in a way that I tasted and got burnt by it. And so this is what Jesus was praying. You see, Satan was ready to sift the disciples. You know that? Do you know the story here? You see, as Jesus faced the cross, the disciples faced their supreme crisis. Their Messiah was going to die, and they were going to be left fearful, confused, and threatened for their lives. Peter, the leader of the group, would deny him. Most of the disciples would abandon him, and Judas would betray him. The temptation to turn from their faith in Christ would be at its highest point. Yet here Jesus was praying, Father, keep them. Don't let them go. Don't let them scatter, but hold on to them. They may be tempted to go. They may be threatened by opposition from the outside. But I pray as they are sifted in this time, keep them in the faith. I've kept them. Now I pray that you would keep them because I'm going to you. Now I think... Sometimes we don't have, I know I don't have a very good understanding of the Father's grip. I think we need a revelation of the Father's grip. Let me tell you a story about my crazy garage. Our garage is a raceway. Uh, People speed through that thing all the time. And the fact that there's speed bumps, it's almost like it's like, oh, there's a jump, right? You know, some people see a speed bump and it slows them down. Uh, there's a certain generation that looks at it and says, oh, that's a jump. Let's go faster. Now, my wife will tell you, and I'm going to be honest with you, I tend to glare at people. <laughs> Sometimes if I'm really loony, which is a lot of times, I'll even step in front. I don't do that when she's around. I want to scare them, but, you know, not very smart because they'll probably hit me. But sometimes they're going really fast. I'll just kind of stay closer. So, like, they'll have to either turn or slow down. (laughs) Will you pray for me? (laughs) And every once in a while, when the annoyance is at an all-time high and the anointing is at an all-time low, I will yell, slow down. (laughs) You speeders in the room talking to you, slow down. You put my family in danger. Just slow down. I know you got to get somewhere. Slow down. Again, you know why I get so upset? Because I just think I'm on the freeway. My baby's in the back seat. My wife's in the front seat. I'm in the slow lane. I want you to know you've heard of Fast and Furious. I'm slow and cautious. That's me. That's me. And nobody would watch that movie. But it doesn't matter. That's my movie. And I'm driving on the freeway. And I'm in the last two lanes. I'm going slow. In fact, I'll get to the second to the last lane because I know people are on and they're speeding there. And, I'll, you know, I'm hitting about 65. And I'm good. And then there's, you know, some guy just weaving through, and I get so angry. It's not just for myself, but I think you put my wife in danger. You put my kid in danger. You put all the cars around me in danger. You know what I mean? I just get so frustrated. So if there's any speeders in here, will you just humbly just ask the Lord this week just to help you with that in Jesus' name? Because you'll, be help, you'll keep me accountable because if you stop, then I'll stop. we all be sanctified together in the name of Jesus. 
But I want you to hear this. We need the revelation of the Father's grip. You see, every time I take P3 with me to the garage, I hold on to his hand. You know, how careless of a father would I be if I let go of my son's hand and allowed him to walk in the garage alone while there were potential cars that were speeding. He's too small. They wouldn't see him. There's been so many tragedies in the news with people that would accidentally hit their, their children. How devastating would that be? And what if I just opened the garage door and I said, you know what, I'm just going to let my son run out and do whatever he wants. How careless and irresponsible a father would I be if I let go of my son's hand when he went into the garage? I want you guys to understand this. Can you hear me out for a second? My son's safety does not depend on how strong his grip is on my hand. My son's safety does not depend on how strong of a grip that he has. But it depends upon how strong of a grip that I have on his. This is exactly what Jesus is praying. Father, hold on to them. They were yours, you gave them to me, and I held on. Now I give them back to you, and despite the opposition that I know is coming against them, may they safely remain in you. Not because of how strong their ability is to keep you, but because of how strong your ability is to keep them. I need, some of us need a revelation of God's ability to keep you. You see, there's some of you, you went to church and you gave your life to Christ and then you went into the world and you thought you were let going of his hand, but you've been kept by God. You're here because, not because you held on, but because he's kept you. And he's hold you. And the revelation of the Father's grip is that it doesn't depend on how tightly you hold, but it depends on how tight his hold is. And finally, his last request is that Jesus, Jesus prayed for us. Now, I am encouraged and I take comfort in knowing that if there's one person whose prayers that are certain to be answered, it's Jesus' prayers. You guys know who that one person is in church? Jesus answers all their prayers. I want to invite the team to come forward. You know, there's that one lady, that one gentleman. You can just see they've been through some things. Their hallelujah is louder than everybody else's. It's usually a mama. It's a mama and a saint. I'm about to be strangled by my... Cordless mic here. It's usually a mama or a dad in this saint, right? Just an older saint. They've been through some things. They got calluses on their knees, not because they've been playing baseball, but because they've been on their knees praying. And you think to yourself, you know what? <laughs> There's one person at the church that God hears their prayers. It's mama so-and-so. It's papa so-and-so. I remember when I was attending a church at our old church, there was this one gentleman that was just so full of joy every week. So full of joy. And, you know... We would call him the jumper. He was a jumper, man. Worship was on. He'd be jumping in the front. And he was just so full of joy. You know what? He could care less what you thought. Because there's some people watchers in here today. you got a bunch of things to say. Right? You formulate a whole text line and start talking about him on it. Right? He didn't care. Some of you will get that later. You check your text line. So, but he didn't care. And it didn't matter what the season was, and I'm not saying we're all jumpers here, okay? You know, we're not all jumpers, but 
It didn't matter the season. It didn't matter what he was going through. You could tell he couldn't wait to get to the house of God. He couldn't wait to jump with joy. He couldn't wait. And so I remember the, the, the running kind of joke was, you know, he's going to go to heaven. Like if there's one person I know that's going to go to heaven, it's him. You ever had that somebody that in your church? You're like, look, I don't know about, you know, these people. But if there's one person, like if I had to put money on it, right, if I had to put money on I had to put odds on, you know, out of these 20 people who's going to heaven. Like, there's that, like, that person is going, right? There's someone who's going to get their prayer answered. I want to tell you something. If there's anyone in the world that's going to pray for me, I'm going to be most confident in the fact that Jesus Christ prayed for me. You see, if there's anyone whose prayers are going to be answered, it's going to be the Son of God. He not only prayed for you, but he's praying for you right now, which is why some of you are still being held on to. Some of you are like, let me go. And he's like, no, I'm praying for you. He prayed for us. His fourth and his final request was that all believers for all time, that's you and I, would be perfectly united. Perfectly one. Now, if you're like me, you may think to yourself, there's so many denominations today. I feel like Sunday morning people are more, they're not united. Many denominations, right? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, you got Baptists, you got Catholics, you got Charismatics, you got Pentecostal, you got the Assemblies of God, you got the Church of God in Christ, you got one across the street, the other side of the street. You know, and have you ever thought, you know, we're not united. Did, did, was that prayer not answered? Was that prayer not answered? But I just want you to know, Jesus prayed that we'd experience a kind of united, un, unity that is impossible to organize around. The unity that Jesus was praying was for a unity that you can't organize around. It was a kind of unity that transcends labels like Baptist and Pentecostal and Charismatic and Assemblies of God. You see, it's the kind of unity that transcends those labels. It's the kind of unity that only the Holy Spirit could bring and could use to guard us in. You may be asking, well, what kind of unity is that? Let me tell you. It's that we would be in one in mind, one in heart, and one in will. That all the disciples of Christ, no matter what denomination they belong to, that every disciple of Christ would hear the same thing, feel the same thing, and have the same purpose. Theology, community, and mission. They would hear the same thing about Jesus community is that they love one another and they come together and encourage one another in mission that they'd have the same purpose. Let me break that down a little further. Theology. We may disagree on the minors, but Jesus was praying that we'd get the major right. There are churches that disagree on different things, but we don't disagree on the deity of Jesus. That the gospel of Jesus and that Jesus himself will be preached no matter what denomination you're in. And if you're in a church or a denomination that doesn't preach the true gospel or the true Christ, that you would leave because that's not the community of believers. That we'd be one in theology. Number two, is we would be one in mission. What do I mean by that? That we may not be called to the same location. We just prayed for Carly who God's called she went to the Middle East and now she's preparing others to go to the Middle East as much as I'd love for her to stay here amen as much as I love for some of you some of you are called to go out and it'll happen we'll plant a church soon and some will be called to plant another body in another location and as much as we love each other the nature of the gospel is to send its sons and daughters Jesus says you sent me and now I'm sending them we may be called to the same location we may be called to different locations. 
But even if the location is different, and even if the methodology is different, the message is the same. Are you with me? We may not be called to the same location. We may not even be called to the same methodology. But we're called to the same purpose, and our purpose is resolute. Are you ready? Here it is. That we would all be unified in making disciples of all nations. All nations. I am blessed. In fact, I got a chance to pray back there today. You know, the first thing I did, I didn't pray for us. I didn't pray for a sermon. I prayed for churches today. I just started to pray for other churches. We are not in competition. And sometimes the, the sin nature gets there and we go there. I am blessed to know that at the end of the day, I pray that another church would succeed because that means that the gospel of Jesus Christ is being moved forward. That we would be resolute no matter what denomination that we're in. That we would all have the same mind, same heart, and the same will. Theology, mission, and I purposefully want to end with community today. I saved community for last because in a moment we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. We're going to take the Lord's Supper together as a church family. And we call the Lord's Supper the Holy Communion because as Christians we approach this table together and we approach this table in a twofold wonder. As Christians, we approach the communion table in a twofold wonder. Let me explain. First, we approach knowing that every time we take this communion, that Christ is here with us. He's present. Every time we take the bread, every time we take the cup, we experience the presence of Jesus Christ in a very real and unique way. And so we come to the table in wonder, knowing that when we participate together as a family in communion, we are participating in something with Jesus. Number two, secondly, we take this cup and we take this bread together. Because when we take the Holy Communion together as a church, we recognize our common need for Jesus and our common need for one another. And in this way, we recognize that when we take the Holy Communion as a family, we remember and we prophesy. We remember and we prophesy. Let me explain what I mean by that. We look back and remember the precious blood that was spilt. We look back and remember the body that was broken. Not just for you so that all of us could be called the saints of the redeemed. We look back and we remember. We look forward and we prophesy when we take this cup and this bread. We prophesy that one day the redeemer and the redeemed... Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, regardless of skin color, would be together as one family of the redeemed, worshiping Christ at the end of the age, and that we would all gather together with him in a big wedding banquet of the Lamb, and we'd sit together and we'd take this same communion with Jesus in the flesh. Do you know that what we do now, we prophesy that one day we will sit as one giant family, no more labels. You see, at that point, the sin nature will be abandoned, will be destroyed, and we will be completely fulfilled in who we are meant to be. And everything that kept us, all the silly bitterness, all of the unforgiveness, all of the hurt from church to church, from person to person, when we get to heaven, that will be washed away in the blood of Jesus. We will perfectly know each other, perfectly love each other, and he'll be at the head of the table giving us a communion. So here's what I want to do. I want to worship. We have communion posts. We have one here, one on the sides, right here in the front. We're going to worship. 
And I want to ask that you would consider joining us before we dismiss in taking communion together. Now, I do want to say this. If you're uncomfortable, it's okay. You don't have to take communion. And I do want to say this, and if you're not a follower of Christ, if you don't believe in Jesus, then you can sit and observe and enjoy the beautiful tradition that we're doing together. But the communion table is meant for those that have received him. And I know that you say, well, that sounds exclusive, but I want you to know the blood of Jesus and the bread of Jesus, Scripture tells us that it's something that's holy. And so you're more than welcome just to enjoy and see and watch. But if you don't know Jesus, this is the time to give your life to him. This is the time to say, you know what? I may not know a lot, but I know I've been feeling you keeping me. I've, I've ran. I've done everything. And I just, I'm here and I just feel that you've been keeping me. I feel like I'm one of yours. Today's the day I invite you to give your life to Christ. Now, typically when we take the bread and the cup, we read through 1 Corinthians and the Apostle Paul explains. But I thought it would be, uh, it would be right for us to read through the night that Jesus instituted the communion with his disciples. scripture is found in Luke chapter 22 and I believe it's found in uh, verses 14 through 20 and scripture reads like this and when the hour had came he reclined at the table and the apostles were with him and he said to them I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer for I tell you that I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he gave thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Verse, verse 18, verse 19. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me, And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. As we get ready to take communion together, I was so taken back that when Jesus was doing this with his disciples, he made a promise. And he said, I am not going to do this until we all celebrate again together. I will not drink the cup, take the bread, until we are all celebrating together at the end of this age. Isn't that beautiful? So here we are taking this together, and we're prophesying that one day our king is going to lead us. Not some fallible pastor, but our king is going to step and lead us through this together. And you'll remember all the times you did this at your church. And G King Jesus will step up and lead us into this together as one. And so before we take this, will you just take a few moments to examine yourself right now? Just take a few moments. If there's anything inside of your heart that you just need to give to the Lord, if there's any pain, any struggle, any sin even, any temptation, you don't need to be perfect to take this. But I just want you to examine yourself and say, Lord, I just want you to repent. I want you to give it to him in this moment. So before we do this holy thing, will you take a moment to honor the Lord and what he's done for us by examining yourself. And so like it was written in scripture, the night Christ was to die, he sat with his disciples and he instituted. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. 
So we can, I would love for all of us just to look at the bread. So this is my body broken for you. May we all take the body of Jesus Christ together. Then he looked at his disciples and he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood. My body was broken and my blood was spilt for you. And today I want to emphasize community. It wasn't just spilled for you. It was spilled for the person next to you. If there's anyone right now that you are having difficulties with, if there's any, a brother or sister in Christ, relationally, you're having difficulties with, I want you to know that the precious blood of Jesus spilt for you and spilt for them. So we take this together. Let's all take of the cup. Jesus, we love you. We thank you because you prayed for us. We thank you because you prayed for your disciples who would bring your word so that we would believe. And so, Father, I just thank you. May we walk out of here encouraged, empowered, emboldened with your spirit. Lord, may we love one another. May we lean and believe on the gospel in Jesus Christ. And may we be on mission as we leave this place to tell every, everybody about your beauty. Father, I thank you for what you're doing at Inspire. I thank you for everyone, Lord, who's here this morning. Be with them. Protect them. But I pray that you would guard them in the faith. We ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. We celebrate this. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a wonderful Sunday. Inside.